0: At this point, I want to introduce our speaker. He really needs no introduction, he and his wife, um, Andy Williams, uh, was a uh, student at Appalachia Bible College. Um, actually, it's been several years back now, and uh, he has a little boy and, with him and his wife, and they are going to the um, country of Columbia. It's a unique place, and we're going to hear a little bit about that today. So come, I'll let you introduce your wife, Andy.
1: Well, thank you all so much for having us this morning. Um, Douglas is getting a puff refill right now, so he's not coming up with us at the moment. Um, but I am Andy Williams, and... Uh, So many memories come back as I think about uh, my times in this church. Uh, I remember as a little kid visiting here, um, because this church supported my parents, uh, Doug and Dorcas Williams, for many years. I remember coming here and being in Sunday school class and watching mom and dad present the ministry, and first in Colombia, later in Ecuador, and, and never having the faintest clue that I was someday going to come back and be presenting my own ministry much less with my wife and my son this is my wife Majo it's our son Douglas and we are so thankful for you all as a church family and we're so thankful to to be able to be here um... as I look out I see a lot of faces that I recognize and I see a lot of faces that I don't recognize which is a really good thing um... so I'll just give like a kind of like a brief a brief history of kind of like what our story has been And my wife, Maho, is going to share um, more about uh, what our time in Missouri has been like, because that's where we've been over the past few years. And then I'll be sharing about what our ministry is going to look like going forward. So, rewind several years. um, I'd finished my studies at Appalachian Bible College, and I was preparing to go to the mission field. I went to Columbia, South America, as a single missionary. Um, That was actually something that was... That was kind of a, a major concern to me. Um, I did not want to be a single missionary. Um, you hear like some missionaries talk about in their biographies, like they're these these single guys and they're all gung ho and you know they're not really worried. It Doesn't really seem like they're you know worried about you know getting married. Or you read what the apostle Paul wrote and talks about. You know, I I wish that everyone was like me so they could be single-mindedly devoted to the gospel. And that wasn't me i really really wanted to get married but god had not had that for me yet and it was really a struggle for me to, to go to Colombia. i was like lord i really don't want to be a single missionary and i went to Colombia and i met majo about six weeks after i got to the country um, it started out i went to Colombia, i was finishing up my spanish studies so i was somewhat familiar with spanish already and while I was doing that, I was um, helping out at the at the missions Bible School uh, there in a town called Fusa in Colombia, South America. Um, it's if you look at a map of Colombia, um, could we get the presentation up here? Or oh, there we are. And can we go to the next slide? There's our there we go. There you have a picture of the there you have a picture of the Bible School there in Colombia, and that's that's where I started working. Um, while I was finishing up with my Spanish studies, I was helping out doing maintenance. Uh, the missionary who was in charge of maintenance was getting ready to go home on furlough. And one of the things they do there at the Bible school is they have, the, have work details. So the students will, in the afternoons, they'll help with the maintenance and the upkeep of the property. And that helps keep the cost down and, and allows a lot of them to be able to go there. And it also provides a lot of practical work experience. So culturally, um culturally... Latin America is is a bit different from the United States in that um, in the US we like to do things with our hands. You know, we make hobbies out of you know working on our cars or um, we really get into mowing our lawns and making a good cry and we'll get into debates over which lawn tractor is the best and things like that. And so you know, most of us, especially if you grow up in more of like a rural set in something of a rural setting, you you have some sort of work experience. Um, a lot of the students who come to the Bible school don't have that. And so um, we had students come in who say, like, this is the first time I've actually sweated outside. Because um, culturally in Colombia, if you have enough money to live in the city and not have to do manual labor, that's a very good thing. Um, if it came out in the news that, and you, and you saw, say, someone very illustrious like... Say, maybe, maybe even like the President of the United States. If you saw him, if it came out in the news that he was mowing the lawn of the White House, most of us would see that as kind of a positive thing. Um, you know, not talking about current administration or anything, but, you know, seeing the President, you know, out, seeing a President out mowing the lawn, he's like, okay, that's cool. He's, you know, he's one of us. He's, he's a real man. He's doing his own work. That's not at all the case in Latin America, especially in Colombia. And so a lot of the students who are coming in who are interested in doing missions work have had little to no work experience. So that's a big part of the ministry there is in addition to having training in Bible theology, training in missions, they're getting training in and working with their hands. And that's what I started out helping out with. And one day I was in the shop and I was putting the assignments up on the whiteboard. And this girl came in early to start working on that project. And we started talking while I was putting the assignments up. And turned out she was actually from the same town where the Bible school was. And when that semester let out, she kind of showed me around, invited me to church, and I kept going to church with her. And I remember um, she seemed really friendly. I was asked one of our, one of our, one of our mutual friends, and it was like, you know, is is she always this nice, or do you think there's something there? I like, oh no, no, she's always nice. She's nice to everyone. So okay. Well, obviously, she was a little bit nicer to me than she was to other people because we kept talking, and we ended up getting married. Uh, we got married two days after she finished um, the Bible school there in Colombia. The original plan was we were gonna, um, she was gonna take a year off. Then um, during that year off, she was gonna come back to the states on a tourist visa. We'd visit our churches, um, get to know family a little bit better, and then we'd go back to Colombia. I would continue teaching, and she would finish her cross-cultural mission studies. Uh, tourist visa got denied, and so then we had to start working on the green card. And as we started working on the green card, it became pretty clear that it would be a lot more advantageous for her to be in the States for a longer period of time, to be able to get citizenship down the road, because when you have a green card, you can only be out of the country for six months at a time. And that's not really conducive to being a missionary, of having to go back and forth every six months just to keep the green card. So during those two years, Amaho and I worked together at the Bible school, and we were doing a discipleship and Bible teaching. I helped um kind of transitioned out of maintenance and i helped was to te- help teach classes like romans and eschatology uh pastoral epistles and uh pastoral epistles was probably one of my favorite classes to teach just because you have students from all over latin america who are coming here and from all kinds of different church backgrounds and so you started getting into issues okay okay what's the what's what's the bible say about divorce and you'll have all kinds of different perspectives on, okay, well, our church does this. Well, our church doesn't do that. And so you can get really lively conversations going in class, which is, which is a lot of fun. But it's really, really neat because that's, that's what they need. That's the kind of training they need because they will be working um, with other missions, with other churches. And a lot of times the reality is, especially overseas, is the churches that you end up working with May not be the churches you would want to work with, but they're the only ones that are there. There's there's no there's no church across the street. There's no church down the road. There may be another church in town, but more than likely it'll be a church that not just is different on a few points, but is different enough so we really don't want to to associate with them. Um, Maho was really involved in. Uh, helping the students develop. Um, she's really gifted at social media and communications. And so she was really good at um, helping the students. Okay, this is how you put a prayer letter together. This is how you kind of communicate the vision that God, God has given you to your churches. Um, we finally got the green card, which is about a year and a half, two-year process. And we moved to the States. At this time, we were planning on her finishing her missions training here in the U.S., The mission really wanted her to finish the cross-cultural portion of the training prior to joining the mission, and so we planned on doing that here in the States while we waited for her to get enough residency time to apply for her citizenship. Um, The plan was we came back in October of 2019, and we were planning on, you know, at the most a three-year time in the U.S. Um, We were planning on her starting classes in the fall of 2020 out in Missouri at the missions training center, and we all know what happened in 20, at the end of 2019. Um, COVID hit. We had already, um, it's, if I remember right, it really kind of, we started hearing about COVID in the news a little bit before Christmas, but it was kind of this weird thing that was happening in China. And then by the time like February and March rolled around, it was okay. This is, this is going to be a lot bigger than, than any of us thought it was going to be. Um, that January, we had gone out to Missouri. I'd spoken in chapel. We'd met with the leadership. Um, started. The, Maho had already gotten her application paperwork in. Um, she had to take an English exam just to make sure her her English was on level to go to the course. But but overall, it was it was pretty much a straight shot. And we were planning on her starting school in the fall. Um, after COVID really started getting going, got really started going, um, the mission contacted us. The leadership from the training center contacted us and said, um, we already have a class of about sixty signed up to come. And that's capacity, pretty much maximum capacity for the training center. And we have absolutely no idea what this next semester is going to look like. And so, um, you already got your paperwork in. You can you can go ahead and come if you want, but our recommendation would be that, um, you Maho wait another year until things kind of stabilize a little bit, so she's not doing things in a second language and having a very in a very chaotic. Kind of a setting where you're doing classes remotely and never sure what the next day is going to look like, but we really need help on in the maintenance department. So um, if you guys could come out and move out, go ahead and move out, um, that would kind of kill two birds with one stone. So we ended up moving out to Missouri. Um, Maho spent the time. Oh, could we get the? Could we transition two slides now, please? There's talking about the institute covid and then we there we go we could stay there that would be perfect thank you um we moved out to missouri i started helping out in the maintenance department and during that time um the way the lord worked it out there was actually uh pretty much a top tier language consultant that was living in the area and maho got connected with her and was able to to work on her english studies while i was i was helping out in maintenance um just kind of a personal thing. Um, that was kind of a difficult time, um, for me just cause, um, I kind of hate to confess this, but, um, in Columbia, I was kind of, um, just the way things were, I was kind of, I was in a place where I was kind of good at everything. Um, most of the other, um, I was, maybe this will make more sense to the guys than it will to the girls, but I was teaching the Bible. I mean, that's, it sounds cooler on a prayer letter to say I'm teaching in Romans than it does to say I'm working maintenance. And, you know, I was teaching the Bible. And I was also, you know, able to work with my hands. Um, a lot of the Colombian teachers weren't, get, weren't really like trained or gifted in, you know, being able to do things with their hands and stuff. And we were, Maho and I were also a lot younger than most of the other people on the team. So we were also able to connect a lot better with the students. And, and you never want to think of yourself as a prideful person. But, um, I began to realize just as I started out working maintenance and, you know, working with people who had been professional contractors prior to joining the mission and realizing there was a whole lot that I didn't know, um, was, and that I was running a weed eater instead of teaching Romans and revelation and things like that. Um, it was kind of a difficult time for me and I kind of had to spend, I really had the Lord kind of brought me through a, a process of having to bring that. I was like, okay, hey, Andy, you're called to be a servant why does it matter if i have you running a weed eater instead of teaching a bible class and it it took me a while to work through that and i remember it was difficult and too just you know being in a spot like okay you learn construction and one and learning how to build things in one country and it's totally different in another country and just having to go through that i was it was kind of a challenge for me um but got to work with a really neat team of guys who were very patient with me as i learned and, and it was a really really neat time um after that year, um, in the, I think it was March, around March of that year, we found out that we were pregnant with Douglas. And, okay, it's your turn now. Okay. And we found out we were pregnant with Douglas, and Maho is going to talk a little bit now about her time in classes and what her experience was like um, during the two years that she was receiving training in Missouri.
2: Hey, y'all. It's so incredible for me that three years and a half ago, I was here with my husband in front of you all, and he was translating for me. So I was like, this is so far beyond that I ever imagined to speak to you all in English. Um, So that year of 2020, my husband was uh, working in maintenance the morning, in the afternoon, Monday to Friday, And me, uh, God provides a consultant in English. So I start to learn English and I spend around three to four months, months, sorry, three to four months, um, around 50 to 68 hours per week learning English. So in the end, uh, the the training center in Missouri, they test me and I passed because for them it was very important that I was fluently in English because there were classes of, like, high level of university. So for them, it was very important for me to understand everything. So it was a huge blessing. Um, It was very hard because I woke up at 4 a.m. and then go to bed at 10 and keep on track everything that I was doing every single hour. (laughs) So it was tough, you know. I ended up very tired, but God provides. He given us the strength in this new context far from family in Virginia and in Colombia. And as my husband say, if you guys want to go to the next slide, in August of fall of 2021, we started a semester, and three months later, our first son born in Missouri, Roach. Um, it was a really good labor. Um, I don't know for the moms who are here, but I don't know. This happened to me. The first time that I leave the hospital with a newborn baby on my lap in a car seat, that feeling that you feel out of that door, is just like, you never feel something like that in your life, like, oh my goodness, I'm not babysitting. This is my baby, <laughs> I'm the only one responsible for this life. Uh, and it was very hard because I was so far from family and I was literally living both sides, being training to be in a new culture and a new language and how to speak, at the same time that I was experimenting all of the things to be in a new culture, learn a new language, and all that stuff. Plus, a baby who almost has to nurse every hour, every two hours. So I have a lack of not sleeping more than three to four hours per day and being in classes. And so obviously, later on, I'll explain what happened to me. Uh, the training center is focused on training you in something that we call the four threads. Can you guys go into the next slide and then to the next slide. So the first one thread is church planting, culture and language acquisition, we call it CLA, uh, Christian living and practical skills. If we go to the next slide, you're going to see I was there with a newborn baby being in classes and we have that that we are having there is culture and language acquisition CLA, and Christian living. Christian living is all the time with all the classes, that thread. The CLA is you learn phonetics, linguistics, grammar, and how to um, approach a culture and learn the language in the right way. It's not like a, hey, y'all, what do you say for this? No, it's like. How you are currently approach the, the culture. You have to be friendships first. Plus, you have a team in missions. So you have to figure out with your team, be in the same position, how we are going to approach this culture. So all the time we were through Christian living and learning how, how to do phonetics. So it was a blessing, that class, because it helps me a lot with my pronunciation. So in Colombia or in Spanish, you have five vowels that it sounds the same way. a, e, i, o, u. You guys have in phonetics like 10 vowels. It depends with what consonants go. So, my goodness. So, But it helps me a lot. And then we learn about linguistics, how to create a book for the tribes. Because some tribes they don't know. I mean, they speak their own language, but they don't know how to write their own language or read their own language. So we learn how to uh, create books for them to to read because we don't want just bring the Bible in English or in Spanish and say, this is what God say. We want that they say in Acts that they were more faithful than these guys because they come back and read their own Bible in their own language. So that's what we learn there, how to do that, how to teach them to to write and, and read in their own language. We also learn about kinship. In some cultures, how you relate to each other it's not just father and mom, but other cultures is, is, your uncle who is your father, not your own father. So that's very important when we want to teach in who is God as a father. How they see God. So we learn about kinship and how to, learn about the culture, how to, they relate to each other to expose the character of God. Um, and then after CLA and have all that class packing up in our backpack, um, we went to, um, they have, I don't know if you can see the pictures down there, so they set up like a village, and the village has their own language and their own culture, and we have to came and dress properly for them, and eat with the right hand, and learn all the words, and it was hard. I mean, the people who was like pretending to be from the tribe, many times, I don't want to say insulting us, but it was like, oh, you're disgusting. How dare you to take that foot with the left hand? And you're like, oh, my goodness. And then the next day, you have to approach Frida Gif and say sorry and everything. Um, but in that fake uh, village, um, we collect all information, words in their language, how to relate to each other, learn words and the phonetic sound. And then in that class, well, that was my group that we, we were like... Um, evangelist and present the gospel and make a friendship with our consultant in the village. We collect all that information, as you can see, the two ladies there, and then we have to create a Bible lesson for them in a chronological way. So we did the Babel towel of Babel. Uh-huh. We did that one, and we just uh, acting. Well, other of my teammates, he reading the lesson in their language. So it was. My goodness, I was just crying at the end of that class because I was like, oh, this, this is a reality. This is not just fake. This is happening every day for many missionaries in the tribes, and they are knowing about God. So what a blessing. Uh, okay, so that's why it's called church planting. There is the thread there when we start the church planting. I will explain a little bit more about what is church planting and also Christian living because relationships, guys, are hard. Especially in a team. And the next slides, please, we have uh, the practical skill stress. And we sorry guys for that picture of the pig there. Uh, well we learn how to do uh kill a pig and all the how do you say um ID? ID comes? Primeros auxilios. First aid did and even this class that I love so much is called a missionary technology class. So we learn everything about solar panels or panel solars and electricity and how to install all that stuff because some people they don't have energy there. So the missionaries have to learn how to transport all that stuff and have energy in the tribe. So we learned that. I just enjoyed it so much. If you see that picture there on the top, where it's like a house in plastic. One of the classes, I was living in the woods for two weeks and a half, and that was during that time is when I ended up discovered and I was suffering and postpartum depression and anxiety, um, not sleeping very much. I was totally isolated. Um, it was very, very hard. It was a community, and I didn't, I didn't notice until I was in the woods, and. For give you a context of that it's just being far away from family and with a newborn is so rough and I experiment for the first time cultural shock here in the United States the way that you show love is giving you freedom and independence so you can be sufficient self-sufficient that's the way that you say I love you you know because you can do it by yourself you know you're strong you're enough so the first week that I have my baby, well, we provide the meals and then you like go for it. So I just start to compare myself with other American moms, like three kids and maybe pregnant and just keep up with classes and you know, putting babies in childcare. And I was like, How do you do it? I just have one baby. I cannot do that. It was so hard and so when people like, was just motivated to do it by myself, my culture normally is the mom who come to your house and stay with you for 40 days, make all the meals so you can recover and keep going, you know? So the way that American culture was communicating to me is, was we don't love you and we don't matter about you. So it was hard. Um, um, Romans 5, 3, says not only so but we are also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us in shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us um, that verse it was really touching for me because now that I'm here um, I can notice that all that is said in Romans 5, 3-5 is true now in my life. Right now, God provides counseling for me for my depression. and am so much better. And we're still working in my anxiety. And I have counseling every week till the next year in 2024. So it's been a huge blessing. And... And... God, God showed me that was necessary for me going through that because I can be more related to the students in Colombia when we are going to meet them. They are not going to be close to their family and say, I was there. I can understand as, as God understood me. So thank you, Lord, for suffering. Thank you, Lord, because we know deeply in his heart. So how do we do it with a baby? the first two semesters my husband attending classes with me in the morning and in the afternoon he go to work and I stayed at home doing my homework and nursing and being a mom and a wife and then the next two semesters Andy stayed at home with Douglas and I go to classes by myself it was wow God is good and then in the end of the semester we have the last classes and I finished one of the how do you say this? Like one of the staff have discipleship with a few women with a chronological way too, and you can see the ladies. Oh, sorry, the next slide. And well, that was how we divided. In the next slide, please. There is a slide there with the ladies, and we also have something that is called a training team. So each semester, the students are dividing different teams, and we just share our struggles and pray for each other, and. It's just a way to have this sense of community and the body of Christ. Please, this next slide, and then graduation came, and I graduate this year in April. As you can see, the picture in the middle, guys, those are the prom of well, I don't know promotion of um, 2023. Those are mission oh, missionaries already who already they are in PNG. They are working to go to Mexico. They are working to go to Africa, Asia. So is not incredible to see all that people there with their kids and just passionate about God, young people, you know, like they're craving to the others will know about Jesus. So our plan as a family, as my husband said in the beginning, please the next slide, is working in something called in support roles. So support roles for missions are very important because as in a movie, it's not just about to pay for a really good actress. We need people who are highly per, uh, professionals in lights and cameras and audiovisuals and sound effects and everything. So please the next slide. In that support role for missions, the behind the scenes, we need people who are accounts because some missionaries they have to pay taxes in their foreign country and also in United States. And enable they are not like a uh, so they can be focused in the work. We need people who can help the missionaries doing that. We need people for training more uh, missionaries. We also need people who can, like, fix the computers for the missionaries because some parts of the world, the humidity, uh, com- computers doesn't work. And also we need missionaries who know how to build in a house in the middle of the jungle. Um, so those are necessary roles for um, for the, the Word of God will be listened. Or next slide, please. Our goal as a family is having maturing churches, and I will explain to you that that's divided in four things. So, next slide, is the God, God's work for the church. Each person must have the opportunity to have the Word of God writing in their own language. The life of the church, we want the new believers to know their purpose, functions, and a spiritual life within the church, the body of Christ. Next slide the identity of the church. We sincerely desire that they have clarity of meaning regarding the body of Christ and understand who they are as a community and discipleship of the church. Furthermore, we want them to be able to see their relationship with Christ other than just a distant God. We want them to have the ability to apply spiritual truths and also to be encouraged to use their spiritual gifts with the body of Christ. That's our goal as a family in a support role. We want to train in people so they can Putting maturing churches on the field. Next slide. We want maturing churches in Ticuna, Nukak, Wajivo, Piapoco, Tucano, Coreguaje, Puinabe, Baco, We, Agua, Yucpa, Chami, Embera, Guanano, Cubeo, and Wunan. We want, can you imagine, guys, one day if God provides, one Puinabe, look at those faces, be here in front of you say thank you, thank you for support, because now I believe in Christ. See a here in front of you guys. That motivates us and our hearts beating for that. Um, so we just want to say thank you guys for supporting this ministry because it's not about us, it's about God Bring the gospel to the nations. Next slide, please. So we want to participate in teachers, training missionaries, and also in a security team. And my husband will explain a little bit more about security team, and then I just we're just gonna wrap up.
1: Um, the names you see up there, uh, those are all people groups in Colombia. Um, there are. Um, as you probably know and have heard, there are still thousands of, of unreached people groups around the world. And just quick definition of unreached is: um, not only is the gospel not there, but they they don't there is no opportunity for them to hear the gospel. Um, there are places, there are people in Beckley and the greater Beckley area who don't who don't know the gospel, who could not um, accurately articulate articulate the gospel. But they have opportunity to hear. They can turn the radio on in their car. And they can hear the gospel. They hear. They see churches all around them. They can. There are hundreds of different ways that they can be exposed to the gospel. But there are still thousands of people groups around the world who have never heard the gospel. Have no access to the gospel. And will never hear it unless someone actually goes and, and brings the gospel to them. And. These, This list of names um, that you see up there are, are some of the people groups that are in that category in Colombia. Um, our primary role well, when we return to Colombia, um, what we're tentatively hoping is that it will be sometime next summer. Um, our primary ministry will continue to be working at the Bible school. Um, we have students from all over Latin America coming um, to get Bible training and also get specialized missionary training. Um, one of the things that's really neat about this um, is that these students have opportunities that that people like me, an and expat missionary from the United States, don't have. What do I mean by that? Um, if you guys watch the news or pay attention to how, what's going on on like the geopolitical scene around the world, um, Americans aren't the most popular people um, just going around the world, and most of these people groups that are unreached are unreached for a reason. They're in very isolated areas. Of course, that, that's becoming more and more rare now as society continues to balloon out. Um, but most of these people groups who still remain unreached are in areas that it's, where it's very, very difficult um, to take the gospel to. It's, it's, in many countries, it's illegal to go to a missionary. And just the fact that I come in with a white face and I have a blue American passport, that's a huge barrier right off the bat not even touching the fact that, that I'm going as a missionary, just the fact that I have that that blue American passport. Um, but if you have a student coming from Colombia or Venezuela or Ecuador or Brazil or Bolivia, that's not going to raise the red flags that someone like me will raise going, going into one of these countries. And two... Um, in Colombia, and I'm transitioning now, talking a little bit about security, um, these groups are in areas where where foreign missionaries just can't go. Um, the U.S. Embassy has blacklisted a lot of these areas as far as these are just places we do not want our personnel, and we do not want U.S. citizens going into these areas. These, these people live in more rural areas, and those are the areas um, that the diff- various different armed groups in Colombia have control over. So how do we go about getting the gospel into those areas? The first thing that we're trying to do as a mission strategically is having training Colombian nationals who can go into these areas. It's, it's still dangerous for them. Um, Voice of the Martyrs um, has articles about Colombian pastors who have been killed by the different rebel groups because of their faith, because of their ministry. And if you think about it, if... If your primary income is the illegal drug trade, having people come to Christ and forsake that isn't exactly something you're going to get very excited about. Um, So that's one thing as a mission we're trying to do. We're trying to train Colombians and other people from Latin America to be able to go to Colombia and to their home countries and around the world to get into places where, where we as foreign Western missionaries just can't go. Um... And, as far as the security aspect of it, um, the missions asked me to to take on this role. this would again this would be in addition to us continuing to work and to teach at the Bible school. Um, but basically, what that would be would be me helping to monitor what 's going on in the news around the country of columbia um, it 's kind of a funny world we live in, but like a lot of these rebel groups have their own social media pages now, um, so it also involves like see looking at Instagram okay which group is going to block a road, which group is going to you know put an embargo on a town where is there where is there a conflict with the military going on um it used to be in Colombia. there were only like three major parties involved in the conflict there were there was the government there was the left-wing communist guerrillas and there were the ultra right-wing paramilitary groups that were hired out they're basically private militias from private landowners there's been a lot of peace processes and a lot of the bigger groups have been demobilized but it hasn't been handled very well so now instead of three major groups you have 20 or 30 smaller fragmented groups that are constantly vying for control of the drug trade illegal forestry, illegal mining all over the country and those the primary areas where they operate are the areas where these unreached people groups are and so the mission leadership, we want to send people into these areas but they want to be smart and make not take unnecessary risks. Um in the world we live in, taking the gospel to an unreached people group is will involve risk. And more and more um missionaries are starting to have to ask questions that the missionaries in the book of Acts had to ask. Am I willing to, to put my life on the line for this? But at the same time, you know, Jesus told us, you know, when they persecute you in one city flee to the next and part of my, well, my job will be will be giving information in, a, in an organized manner to the mission leadership so they can say okay can we strategically put people maybe not in this rural area where the tribe is but the tribal people are coming into the city to do um, to do paperwork to get their government aid checks to um, buy and sell their goods and stuff they're coming into this town that's that's still controlled by the government and they're coming in on a regular basis. So maybe we can put people we may not be able to put people in a village like we used to do, but we can put people in this town and they can start building relationships. And hopefully then their own tribal people can can come to Christ and then be able to plant churches in their own areas. Um, but people group mom and dad worked with um, the Awa, which is one of the people on those list, um We had to evacuate from Colombia because of the the insecurity there, and ended up working with a different group of them in Ecuador. Um, And our coworkers are still in Ecuador, continuing to work, um, trying to disciple church leaders at the church plant that that is currently existing there in Ecuador. Three quarters of the Yawa live on the Colombian side, and to this day, that is a place where um, you just can't go. It's a very, very violent. Even even for them, the the native people who are living there, it's it's very, very dangerous. Um, Many of them are killed every year by, by the different rebel groups. And a lot of times their young people are forcibly recruited into these, into these groups or they're forced to work in the drug fields. And so one of the things our coworkers in Ecuador are trying to do is, okay, we're looking down the road. We want to disciple leaders in the Awá church who can then take the gospel back across the frontier into areas that we just can't get into. So that's kind of in a nutshell what the security role. It sounds a lot more exciting than it actually is. It's basically just looking at the information, organizing it, and getting it to the leadership. In addition to help um, being involved in discipleship and Bible teaching at the Bible school, um, where the, the mission in Colombia is very short-handed um, for obvious reasons. There haven't been a whole lot of new people going to Colombia as a field in recent years. Um, and a lot of the leadership are getting more to retirement age. And everyone who works there kind of wears several different hats. Um, and so they've asked us to consider, okay, in addition to, your, you know, being involved in the Institute and teaching the Bible, we'd really, we could really use help in this area of, you know, modern security and kind of understanding the situation and helping us make strategic decisions about where to place our missionaries. Um, and that's something they've asked us to do. They believe that's something that we're, as a couple, would be gifted in doing. And so that's that's kind of what we're looking at um, here in the future. Um, Carl, how long do we, how long, what time do you guys normally wrap up at? Okay.
2: So as my husband say, uh, security team is just an addition, so it will be so cool to be in that position because we're just not going to be training the missionaries to go to Colombia, Ecuador, Panama, or um, Peru but we're also going to participate to tell them, like, what is the safest way that you can go there? We are not going to stop them because the only one who can do that is God. And he got put in something in their hearts. You know, God will make it. <laughs> um, so the ne- next slide, please. Uh, we want that this verse will be a reality. 1 Corinthians 12:27 27, say, Now you're in Christ's body and individual- individually members of it. Next slide, please. So we want to see these um, tribes, and we can call them brothers and sisters in Christ. Guys, you are here in the United States, and you're going to call them brothers and sisters one day when you, we, are, we are in heaven with God. So to accomplish all that, we have to plan it, right? So William's family plans, next slide, please, to April to 2023, 2023 sorry, to May 2023, you can see the check that we did already there, and then to May to 2023 to December 2023. Our plans are: we are serving in our church at our center church, our Covington Bible Church, in whatever they need. We already did the team week. Uh, we already visited our family in Pennsylvania. I already started my process process for citizenship. It's still in process because apparently I need class for maths because. <laughs> To be able to apply for that, I have to be a resident of the same state for three months, and I was behind for 10 days. So they denied denied my application, and I have to start out again, including the fee. So, But it's cheaper to buy a ticket every six months to come back to the United States for church. And then the last part is in progress, starting visiting or supporting churches to give a report or two years, two years and a half in Missouri and spend a good int- intentional time with them. So guys, if you want to invite us for things to do here, we're more than happy to be here. Not in during nap times or pep time. <laughs> so the next slide, please. This is the regular question that we have. When are guys planning to go back to Colombia? Oh, my goodness. Um, we, next slide, please. We are planning to give you that answer in January 2024. Um, we hope to have the exact date of when we will return to Colombia, and that depends on two factors, my American nationality and if we have reached out or financial goal to serve in Colombia. And also in January is the time that I'm gonna finish my counseling that is provided for an Ethnos 360. So it's great because they can just see if I, if I can handle it again, the transition, because it's different when you go back to your own country is the reverse shock. Start like comparing, oh, Americans are better doing this. So they don't want that on me. Um, so that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us, and so sorry for the whole time. Oh, one more thing: we have um, those cards with our plans. We have printing cards with that, and also our prayer cards that with our new information and new address and everything. Thank you so much.
0: Wow, wow, Christ has commanded us to pray that the lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest into the fields and folks that's a mission field and this is a missions couple that is their heartbeat they are uniquely trained for this um andy being andy growing up on the mission field uh knows that uh, knows that area and so he's uniquely qualified what a joy what a joy it is to hear from them and and just see what the Lord is doing, preparing this young couple to to go in and train national missionaries to be able to go into other countries and to the remotest parts of the earth. Folks, it's a great responsibility. It's our privilege to be a part of that. So, well, let's stand together and let's sing. We do need a pianist because I'm not singing this. Acapella by myself. We need to be praying for um, Andy and Maho. What a joy they are! Um, and how long, Andy? How long will you guys be at, at Covington? Okay, okay. So they're they're just a couple of hours away. So maybe we can have them here and, and hear from them even more, just more and more details. Um, so i close with a word of prayer. Father, what a joy it has been to be together. Uh, Lord, just to hear what you are doing. You are raising up missionaries. You are working in people's hearts. You are expanding your church. Lord, thank you for allowing us to just get a glimpse of that today. You've blessed our hearts. May we just go forth praising you today, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.